This is Battleground Ballot Box, a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. I'm Stephen Fowler. A historic day in Georgia history was overshadowed by senseless violence encouraged by the President of the United States and hundreds of Republicans that have pushed baseless claims of election fraud. Today, we talk about the Senate runoff that saw the state's first black senator and first Jewish senator and flipped control of the U.S. Senate, but also how Republicans in Georgia and beyond helped inspire an insurrection that left five dead. Most importantly, we'll end with a look at what comes next as the state legislature returns with voting changes on the horizon. We've talked for weeks now about Republicans' attacks on Georgia's election integrity, falsely claiming widespread fraud with absentee ballots, and some suggesting impropriety with our ballot-marking device voting system. Looking now to the results of the Senate election that saw incumbent Republicans David Perdue and Kelly Leffler lose, we see the effect some of that rhetoric had. First, as the news of President Trump's call with Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, with the president insisting Georgia's November election results be overturned, resonated across the country, both Joe Biden and Donald Trump headed to the Peach State last Monday for a final push to get voters to the polls in a contest that would decide what kind of agenda Biden would have his first two years in office. I believe in the American dream. But it is slipping away from too many of our children, not just poor children growing up in the housing projects of Atlanta or Savannah, but in urban and rural communities, disaffected communities across North Georgia. Our children need to know that they have a senator in the United States Senate who understands their struggles, understands the struggles of ordinary people, and who will fight for them. We have bigger and better things to discuss than David and Kelly. Like where we go from here as a people. Where we go from here as a community, as a state, as a nation. We've had four years of hatred and racism and bigotry and lies and incompetence. But Donald Trump is leaving. And Georgia voters sent Donald Trump packing. You did that. So now it's time to rebuild. President-elect Joe Biden delivered his closing message of unity and healing in Warm Springs, Georgia, a week before the November election. And now he was in a 500-car pandemic parking lot rally in Atlanta on January 4th, asking Democrats one more time to make their voices heard. The whole nation is looking to you to raise for for real. You know it. You cannot turn on any national television show without knowing about what's going on here and what you all are doing. The power, the power is literally in your hands. Unlike any time in my career, one state, one state can chart the course, not just for the next four years, but for the next generation. By electing John and the Reverend, you can make an immediate difference in your own lives, the lives of the people all across this country. Hours later, President Trump held a rally for Purdue and Leffler in Dalton, up in northwest Georgia, home to one of the worst COVID-19 outbreaks and one of the lowest early voting turnouts in the state. Looking at that data coming into Election Day, we knew that Democrats were turning out at a higher rate. 
We knew, especially in southwest Georgia, that black voters were flocking to the polls, but we couldn't quite know how much of it was Trump's strongest supporters staying home. Thank you very much. Hello, Georgia. By the way, there's no way we lost Georgia. There's no way. The rigged, that was a rigged election. But we're still fighting it, and you'll see what's going to happen. We'll talk about it. Much of the president's speech was about himself and false claims of voter fraud and airing grievances, like he said in that private call with Secretary of State Raffensperger. But it highlighted how desperate Purdue and Leffler were to squeeze every vote possible from rural Trump supporters. Purdue was home in quarantine and delivered this video message, falsely claiming he had been a longtime supporter of challenging the Electoral College. I'm still fighting for him today fighting to get a fair accounting here in Georgia. For weeks now, I have been calling to object to Georgia electors in the U.S. Senate on Wednesday, January the 6th. President Trump has fought for us, and we're fighting for him in a fair and accurate election. Purdue's term ended January 3rd, and he could not object. Meanwhile, Kelly Leffler made her own announcement about objecting to the Electoral College votes from Georgia and launched a fundraising push around it as well. Georgia. On January 6th, I will object to the Electoral College vote. Well, we'll get to what actually happened in a bit, but let's look at what transpired at the polls on January 5th. Very few problems were reported, lines were short, and it seemed like turnout was low. But that short ballot actually masked a whopping 1.3 million ballots cast that day, and for a hot second, it seemed like a good sign for Republicans. As results came in quickly, in part because of a new rule that required counties to process their absentee ballots the week before the election, it was clear that Democrats had overperformed in absentee voting, in-person early voting, and even expectations for the historic Senate runoffs on Election Day. The lead coming into Tuesday was over 400,000 votes in favor of the Democrats, and more than 800,000 Republicans voted on Tuesday, and that still wasn't enough. Georgia elected its first black senator and first Jewish senator and flipped control of the chamber. This was major news. Years of hard work, pleas for more support and resources, and a groundswell of grassroots organizing from Democrats operating out of the Stacey Abrams playbook had finally made a blue breakthrough. But that win was overshadowed by tragic and concerning news out of the nation's capital. Now it is up to Congress to confront this egregious assault on our democracy. And after this, we're going to walk down, and I'll be there with you, we're going to walk down, we're going to walk down, anyone you want, but I think right here, we're going to walk down to the Capitol, and we're going to cheer on. In the culmination of a months-long assault on election integrity and democracy fomented by President Trump, thousands of his supporters stormed the center of our government and broke in during the Electoral College vote counting. Five people died. A Capitol Police officer was killed, and police shot and killed a radicalized Air Force veteran who tried to breach one of the final layers of protection left before getting to members of Congress. It was a sad, dark day that overshadowed the end of a long, tiring, and expensive campaign season in Georgia and raised several questions about what comes next and who should be held accountable. 
So here's what you need to know about Georgia Republicans' roles in this ongoing attempt to subvert the election. Jody Heiss and Marjorie Taylor Greene helped lead the objection to Georgia's Electoral College votes. Mr. President, myself, members of the Georgia delegation, and some 74 of my Republican colleagues and I objected the electoral votes from the state of Georgia on the ground. But Kelly Leffler, through some combination of being a lame duck unencumbered by the president and just hours removed from facing a violent mob, withdrew her support. President, prior to the actions and events of today, we did, but following the events of today, it appears that some senators have withdrawn their objection. In that case, the objection cannot be entertained. Even after a violent insurrection that left five dead and sent Congress into hiding, six Republican House members from Georgia voted against Electoral College certification of other states. Rick Allen, Buddy Carter, Andrew Clyde, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Jody Heiss, Barry Loudermilk. But Georgia GOP lawmakers have been sowing the seeds of discord for weeks, pushing false claims of fraud and whipping up supporters into a frenzy against facts. Senators Kelly Leffler and David Perdue called on the Secretary of State to resign less than a week after the election, opening the floodgates of abuse and harassment that included death threats, sexually explicit threats to Raffensperger's wife, and sustained attacks from right-wing misinformation outlets. Senator Perdue still owes my wife an apology for all the death threats she got after he asked for my resignation, and I've not heard one peep from that man since. He wants to call me face-to-face, man-to-man. I'll talk to him off the record, but he hasn't done that. And remember, Leffler and Perdue also made last-minute pushes to question the Electoral College. Their reward was a defeat at the ballot box. Remember, too, Georgia Republican lawmakers signed on to a Supreme Court challenge authored by the embattled Attorney General of Texas that sought to invalidate Georgia's election results. Our own Republican Attorney General Chris Carr called it constitutionally, legally, and factually wrong. The suit was backed by Senators Leffler and Perdue and a host of others. Bear with me as I read their names because the list is long. Representatives Rick Allen, Buddy Carter, Doug Collins, Drew Ferguson, Jody Heiss, and Austin Scott, State Senators William Ligon, Burt Jones, Brandon Beach, Greg Dolezal, Bruce Thompson, Matt Brass, Blake Tillery, Marty Harbin, Lindsey Tippins, Tyler Harper, Randy Robertson, Renee Unterman, Jeff Mullis, Steve Gooch, Lee Anderson, incoming Senator Sheila McNeil, Representatives Jason Ridley, Trey Rhodes, Rick Williams, Colton Moore, Jeff Jones, Don Hogan, Wes Cantrell, David Clark, Bill Werkheiser, Stephen Meeks, Greg Morris, Sherry Gilligan, and Georgia Republican Party Chair David Schaefer, among others. The Georgia GOP filed and supported several suits seeking to overturn Georgia's election results or crack down on rules for the runoff, and Chairman Schaefer repeatedly told lies about those suits, the president's call with Secretary of State Raffensperger, and more, helping gaslight supporters into believing Trump actually won the election. Governor Brian Kemp, Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan, and House Speaker David Ralston all spoke out about the attack on the U.S. Capitol and said there's no place for that in our nation. Let you know, in my opinion, that that has been a disgrace and quite honestly un-American. 
As you all know, in Georgia, we had peaceful protests all summer long, allowing people to let their voice be heard on an array of issues that we had going on in our state and in our country at that time. But we certainly did not allow anarchy, and we will not allow that now here in the state of Georgia. Rudy Giuliani saying, quote, trial by combat, end quote, is simply outrageous, and there's no place for that in our nation. But there was a place in the Georgia State Capitol, where much of the misinformation about Georgia's elections were shared in hearings in the state Senate, chaired by ill-informed lame duck lawmakers, skipping standard procedures and practices, and implied to be meaningful and binding instead of a kangaroo court sideshow that will lead to bad policy. Duncan took no public action to rein those hearings in. And Ralston, the guiding hand of the State House, suggested that the Secretary of State's office have its power stripped or altered because the chief election official opted to skip a hearing where the president's personal attorney repeated inflammatory debunked claims that went unchallenged by those in charge. History will remember them for what they did, and Georgians will judge them for what happens next. The legislative session is now underway, and voting laws will be at the forefront. So, too, will be the future of Georgia's Republican Party and the direction of the state that is still controlled by Republicans but seems destined to change. We've come full circle. What's old is new again as we start 2021 with a debate resting on who we vote for and how those votes are counted. While this podcast won't continue, our coverage will and you can rely on GPB News to bring you fair, accurate, and contextual stories about voting and politics in our state. I'm Stephen Fowler. This is Battleground Ballot Box, a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. The show is edited by Wayne Drash, mixed by Jesse Neiswanger, and our director of podcasting is Sean Powers. Special thanks to you, our listeners, for making this podcast a success. We hope you came away from this feeling more informed about our voting process and the politics that shape it, and hope that you continue supporting GPB's coverage moving forward. 